The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from various locations and thrilled to be able to do that. And um, so excited for today's show because we've got some amazing guests. I want to remind all of you, we're going to be with you live for the next hour. And the single most important thing to us is helping you to get to the information and inspiration that you need and want and desire. So we're going to start off by showing you all the different ways that you can connect with us here, all the different ways that you can ask a question, make a comment, suggest a segment, yell at me, whatever it is that you feel that you must today, we're welcoming all of it. Uh, so first of all, I wanna remind you that our homepage is autism-live.com and there's a lot that you can do on that page. You can watch our full library of videos and not only watch them, you can search them to sift through them because there are so many of them that it's dizzying, right? Uh, there's other things you can do on that page that we're going to talk a little bit about later on because our toy guide is on that page as well. And there is a way that you can chat with us um, that's completely anonymous on the bottom of the page. Just click on the chat button and it opens up and, and then it comes in on a screen that's right to the, the, the side here that I can see in real time. So, um, but that's, I can only see it in, well, I mean, I can see it whenever I have it open, but it's open when we're live. So I know sometimes you guys will write in at two o'clock in the morning and then I don't see it until, until I'm up and awake. Uh, funny how that works, but, uh, but feel free to write it in anytime it's free and it is anonymous and we do look at it uh, and try to interact with it whenever possible. So there are other ways that you can interact with us as well. And I know that you guys have preferences and whatever you like is what we like. Uh, we tried to give you many, many choices. So you see on that first column there, it's all the ways that we are live. We are live on Twitter, Facebook, Periscope, and YouTube, in addition to our homepage, which is on the bottom, autism-live.com. Now, once we are done with the show, it's recorded and lives for di different and varying amounts of time on each one of those platforms. And on YouTube, we cut the show up into highlights and we also add those on YouTube so that if you want to share just one interview, it buffers better. And we like that and it's easier to search. Now, on the other column there, you'll see those are all the places that we podcast directly to. So you can watch us recorded on iTunes and you can choose whether you want to watch it with sound and picture or just with sound if you want to go for a walk or 
for a drive, um, you can take us with you. Also on Spotify, iHeartRadio and Deezer. So uh, those are just some of the ways that you can connect with us. And each one of them has their own sort of interaction. We look to you to tell us if there's someplace that's not on here that you want, please tell us and we will make every effort to be there. What's really important to us is that we're in a wide variety of places that you can watch us for free. That is super important to us. We try never to have any cost associated to you. Uh, you know, we've been doing that for nine years now. Let's hope that we can continue to do that forever. But uh, we love to interact with you. It really is. I think the single funnest part of doing the show is when we're having a conversation with you guys. So please pick the way that you like and reach out to us and let us know. We also appreciate it. Part of, you know, not asking you to... Um, pay for anything is that we have to find a way to keep the lights on. And how we do that is through the number of views. So, and the number of subscribers. So if you want to help us, we're not asking you to pay anything, but give us a review on iTunes, which helps us to be seen by other people. Subscribe to us on YouTube or um, on our, our homepage. You can, there, on, your, on our homepage, sorry, I noticed just popped up. Could you tell? I don't, I saw this morning that everybody was thinking, poor Ryan Seacrest, he stumbled over his words and everybody was like, did he have a stroke? I don't think he had a stroke. I think the man's tired. Um, <laughs> but I didn't want anybody to think that I had had a stroke. I just had something pop up on my computer. So anyway, uh, we, on our homepage, if you are there for even a couple of seconds, like six seconds, a thing pops up that says, hey, would you like to subscribe? And if you fill it out, then you get our weekly um, viewer guide, which didn't go out this week. That's a whole other Megillah. But um <laughs> But anyway, that's all you get. Nobody hounds you. We don't sell the list to other people. I'm very protective of what you guys share with us. So just know that that's the dealio with that. Hey, I'm saying hi to Laura and Deborah and Jana and Christina. Uh, and Laura, we're thrilled that you are here with us. And Michelle, you have a blessed week too. Uh, and Laura is telling us that she has two kiddos on the spectrum. So you are twice blessed. We're sending you a hug. Glad that you're here with us and write in if you have questions or if there are things that you want to see specifically here on the show. So uh, we've got a big show for you here today. I like to remind you at the start of the show that we have lots of experts and I've got some very fun experts for you today. Um, but please don't confuse me as being one of the experts. My credentials to be here, I'm uh, a mom, a mom of a young man who was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half. I'm also a former teacher. I'm a former stand-up comedian. So, you know, these things come together and make for the crazy car that you see here. But um, I, here's the other thing is that I care deeply. I'm, I made a deal on my bedroom floor many years ago uh, when I was, you know, totally like, whoo, I don't know how to do this. Please help me. I don't, please don't let me be the mom that drops the ball and doesn't help her kid. Please don't let that be my story. And I made a promise and said, you know, if you help me to help my child, then I will promise to do what you, what you tell me to do. And I promise that I will help others along the way. So that's my deal. That's why I'm here. I just want to help you. I know that it's not one size fits all. What I need is not what you need. And, and listen, I'm talking to that larger autism community, which starts with, of course, individuals who are on the autism spectrum. They're the reason why we're here, right? And, but I want to include everyone who loves them because I know that that's, that's that much more powerful of a group and we've got that much larger of a voice. 
to help those individuals to get what they so richly deserve, which is respect, jobs, opportunities, um, resources, and support, right? So that's why I'm here, and I just want to help you on your journey. But don't make me guess. Tell me what you need, what you're looking for, and I'll do my level best to see if I can get somebody on the show to talk about it, or I'll do some research on it, whatever it takes. I'm saying hi to Nema and Lorinda. Um, and so happy that you guys are all here. Good morning and welcome, welcome, welcome. So, uh, we always like to start whenever possible with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. We need to like translate that into other languages. Uh, I don't know how you say jargon, jargon du jour, but I don't know how you say jargon. Uh, so this is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what are the experts talking about? What does this term mean? Why is it important? I really don't know about you, but I don't have time to waste. And I already had a master's degree uh, when my son was diagnosed with autism and it wasn't in autism and it wasn't in psychology. And so I was trying to connect with him and do everything that I could do for him. And I was having to learn all this jargon. Uh, let's go back for a second to find motor skills. So we're going to give you uh, always when we do jargon, we give you the actual definition, which I attempt to make as much fun of as possible because that's my hobby. Then we give you the working definition, which sometimes makes the expert break out into hives, but hey, that's just an added plus. Uh, but the whole point here is to give you a real working sense of what the word means. If you don't get it the first time, don't worry, because we cycle back through these terms. And I think it's sort of the marriage of hearing the explanation and then seeing it in the real life that puts it together. And then you go, oh, I got it. That's why this is important. And we only do terms that I think are something that if you knew what it was could save you time and money and help you to get to progress, right? We don't mess around with the words that I, I just am like, well, that's, you know, Nobody, nobody uses that on a regular basis. But so today's term, because this is something we talk about a lot on the show, and it's something we've been talking a lot about during this uh, great isolation that we're stuck in, the term is fine motor skills. So let's take a look at what our actual definition of fine motor skills uh, is. Skills that require control and coordination of muscles, bones, and nerves to produce small, precise movements. Okay. A lot of times the OT is the one who's dealing with fine motor skills, but you will see that ABA people uh, will work on fine motor skills as well. But in particular, it's gonna be the, the, the expertise of the OT person to do that. This is not the worst definition un under the sun. It's not extremely helpful though, right? So let's move on to our working definition and see if we can't make some uh, better sense of this. Because fine motor skills, they're small move movements utilizing the small muscles of the fingers, toes, wrists, lips, and tongue, right? So we're gonna see that a lot of times this, these are the skills that, you know, like maybe your mother-in-law discounts these skills, but they're things that lead to other skills. So if you don't have the pincer grasp, right, you're never going to get to the tripod grasp, which means that writing is going to be super duper difficult for you. And writing sometimes is the difference between being able to get the help that you need and not being able to get the help you need. So for me, this becomes life and death. But also, how about being able to twist the top of a, a water bottle to be able to open the water bottle? 
You know, um, how about being able to turn a doorknob, right? How about being able to hold the toothbrush? When you think about all the skills that we do with our fingers and with our hands uh, and with our wrists and with our lips and with our tongue, all those very tiny little movements that set us up for success for so many different things, not just independence, but a lot of things, self-care. Um, so these things are super important. So uh, an OT person has a lot of fine motor skills that they can work on with anybody. But we've been talking about this a lot during COVID because um, you know, there's some things you can't do during COVID, right? Um, you know, and we're finding ways to be imaginative. So there are more and more things that we can do. But there are some things that are particularly suited to this time period that it's like, well, this is easy enough to work on. And I really love fine motor skills because you pretty much could work on them anywhere, but they're for sure something that you can work on during this time at home. Um, and you don't have to go out and buy a bunch of things and tools. You can. I mean, if that's your thing, and if you get really interested in it, you can, there's a whole world of fine motor skill tools that you can purchase, right? But you don't need to. The truth of the matter is, is that you've got stuff laying around the house that you could get creative with, that you could be working on fine motor skills and helping any of your kids to be more successful. And all of our kids could work more on their fine motor skills. I don't know anybody that just sort of graduates with fine motor skills. Uh, unless maybe it's a concert pianist, right? Maybe, maybe they do. Um, and what I particularly love is if you go to Pinterest um, and just put in fine motor skills, the top of your head will explode. You will, <laughs> you will have more things to do than you know what to do with. And you will see creative people who have just vomited all their creativity all over Pinterest that are happy to share with you what they're doing. A lot of great OTs and uh, great parents and teachers have put all kinds of activities and like you could throw a birthday party and have it all be fine motor skills. I know, isn't that a little trippy? Because when you think fine motor skills, you think, oh, okay, this probably, this sounds like it might be boring. No. And, and also if you have a, 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 a kiddo or a teen or an adult in your care that struggles with handwriting, pick me. Um, you know, there are all kinds of things that you guys can be working on that have nothing to do with handwriting. And I encourage you to do it as early as possible because when they get older, they don't want to work on the handwriting thing. I always say my son should be a doctor. His handwriting is so good, but it got better over the years because it was a time when no one could read it, including him. Uh, and now he can read it. And, you know, if, if teachers have like see it more than once, they can read it. Uh, yeah. It's, but it, at a, that's so much better than it used to be. Um, but we got there not through doing handwriting drills because that just doesn't work. It just doesn't, there's nothing reinforcing about that. But there are lots of little games that you can play even with little, little, little kids. As soon as kids are, um, and they're in the high chair and they're old enough that they can chew like a Cheerio or a raisin without choking, um, that's when it's time to work on the pincer grasp and you just put them in the high chair and you put the raisins or the Cheerios on the, the, the table and they have to pick them up, which is super duper cool because they're motivated to do it because they love the taste of those things. So, so many things that you can work on for fine motor and it has a big impact on a lot of different things. If you, uh, if any of you remember from a few years ago, the show Minute to Win It, a lot of the Minute to Win It skills 
are something to do with fine motor, including facial motor. If you have a kiddo who really just, um, they're talking and they're not moving their lips or their teeth or their tongue, you know, and, and so a lot of times they're not understood and they have that uh, prosody thing where everything is on the same level. Part of it is because they don't have the facial muscles built up over time that other people did when they were developing in that typical, uh, I hate that phrase, but you know what I'm saying. Um, but for instance, there's that Oreo cookie challenge from minute to win it, where you put the Oreo kick, you have them tilt their head back, you put the Oreo cookie on their forehead and they have to move their, can't use their hands. They got to move their face around to get the cookie around to their lips. And if it falls off, you got to put it back on. And if you have people racing, it makes it so much more fun. Guess what? That's working on oral motor. We love it. And they get a cookie for the reward. Woohoo! And they do make gluten-free uh, Oreo type cookies. They are available if you're on the gluten-free diet. So there you go. Fine motor. It's a really fun thing to work on if you're working on it, uh, you know, from that perspective. And please do. And great things to do at home. You're bored today? Pinterest. We have a whole board on Pinterest. You can go to Pinterest, go to Autism Live, and there's a whole board that's just fine motor stuff to do while you're home. Super duper fun. Love it. Okay. Moving on. We always have a question of the day. Our question today. I'm going to cough. Uh, our question is, what do you love to touch? I'm talking a little bit about the senses today. And I want to know, like, <clears throat> there are some textures that people do not like to touch, right? And then there are other textures that people love to touch. So what's yours? What, what particularly uh, do you like? I like that there, um, it, there's a type of plush um, that's out right now that feels feels like a very short fur, but it's not real fur because I'm opposed to that kind of thing. Um, but it's just so soft and they're making a lot of baby um, blankets out of it. Oh my gosh. Um, I just want to turn all my clothes into that, although I suspect it would be hot. I absolutely love that texture. But there's a lot of textures that I'm not particularly, um, I don't love. I know my son, anything that is styrofoam just puts him like, whoo, can't, can't do it. And I have a hard time wearing a lot of fabrics that are scratchy or have a high content of polyester in them. Not, not my fave thing. But what about you? What's your favorite thing to touch? And of course, the flip side of that is what texture sensation makes you just like, ugh, can't, can't, can't do it. Because we all have these things. And I just think that we need to get, we need to get talking about it and normalizing this so that it's not just folks on the spectrum who have these preferences. It's just that for them, sometimes their preferences are, you know, it's like that thing, uh, you know, they turn it up and it's 11 on the dial. You know what I'm talking about? Um, so that it's, you know, 10, it's from one to 10, but for them, it's 11 when they're touching that thing. So what do you love to touch? Okay. I, I think our guest is here. So I've got to speed up a little bit. Uh, so uh, we always have a topic of the week and our topic this week is very important to all of us because the topic is moving forward. And I know this is a sensitive subject because everybody has different ideas of what moving forward looks like or if we're moving forward too fast or too slow or whatever. And what I, I don't want to talk about all that because there's enough of that, right? But I want to talk about the fact that we are in this new bubble um, and we've been here longer than we thought we were going to be. And the bubble is shifting and changing 
for all of us. Um, but in some respects, you know, we're still having to be really, really careful. But I don't know about you, for instance, uh, you know, we looked over the weekend, because um, when we started this, our intention was that we were going to be here for two weeks, right? And then it was, well, we're going to be here for a month. And then now we've been here for two months, and it looks like we're going to, at least here in Los Angeles, we're going to be here for a while. So there are some cords running through my house that aren't typically, and it was like, well, it's okay. We can run a cord through, because it's not going to be forever. But now, it's, it's not going to be forever, but it's for a while. So it's time to figure out where the cords go. You know what I'm saying? It's time to move into the acceptance of what's working and what's not, and what do we need to do to make this current state of affairs work for us, work for our kids, settle in, get used to it, decide how, we, how we're gonna move forward um, so that it's with peace, right? Peace and acceptance. Acceptance, by the way, is not the same as contentment. I am not asking anybody to be content with this, but I'm asking you to accept the current circumstances and to figure out how how can I be the most productive for me right now? What can I be doing during this time that is productive? How can I make it easier for myself? I mentioned yesterday that I, um, I've really been struggling with the grocery thing, right? That I, I feel like for the first three weeks, I was online constantly trying to figure out and get somebody to deliver. And it was, you know, you had to be up at midnight. So at 12.01, they had new delivery times. Oy, right? Now we sort of have automated a lot of it. So there, there are some things that just come on a weekly basis. At some, like probably during the show, uh, my imperfect produce is going to arrive. And this is organic produce that, you know, it just, it's like, a little bit different shaped or it's smaller or uneven or whatever, but it's good organic produce that would have been thrown away otherwise. So I'm thrilled that I'm helping farmers. I'm getting the good produce. I'm getting fresh stuff. It's being delivered. It's automatic. I don't really have to do anything, although I can set preferences. Um, you know, and that kind of thing, I'm looking to do that with as many things as I can so that laundry soap just arrives once every three weeks, right? And so I don't have to be thinking about that kind of stuff because there's other things to be thinking about. There's other things that are taken up bandwidth. So um, how are you moving forward? And it's something we're going to keep talking about all this week. All right. So we've got a big show for you today. I'm really excited about both of our guests. Uh, we're first going to be joined by Jude Morrow. He is an amazing author, self-advocate, dad. And... Um, Thrilled that he is going to be here with us to talk about his book and this unique perspective that he has as a young man on the spectrum, uh, leading his life, being very successful, and then discovering that he's about to be a father. And his book details as honestly as a person can detail everything that's going on in his head. It's, I can't wait to talk to him about it. It's a, it's a fascinating read. And then we're going to have Brian Turtle from Endless Games. I know it feels like the holidays, doesn't it? Um, but we decided that because we love toys here at Autism Live and we believe that toys and games are a great way to teach and it's a great way to interact with our kids and be in a format where we can be teaching them all kinds of things. So uh, every holiday season, we usually kick off our toy guide by having Brian Turtle from Endless Games come. And we thought it might be fun every Tuesday if we just sort of checked in with um, somebody about some great toys that we can be utilizing and games in particular 
that we can be utilizing during this great isolation to do with our kiddos of various ages, whether they're two or 14 or 44, to help us to get some leisure time in, but also be working on some other things as well. So I'm saying hi to Trisha and Naima and Lorinda and Sirwa from Ghana, saying hi to you, Nasser and Tanya and a bunch of other people. Wait, I got to scroll up. Uh, Sapphire, hi, May. Uh, I think I, I think that's all I've got for the moment. But thrilled you guys are all here. We're going to be looking at what you guys are saying. But right now it's time to welcome Jude Morrow to Autism Live. And I believe that he is joining us from Ireland, if I'm not mistaken. So we're going to hear some good Irish accent here. Uh, is Jude with us, Traven? I thought I heard him come in the room. I'm going to um, say hi to these folks. Um, somebody is saying, I watch because I'm late diagnosed adult and I learn more about what it is to be on the spectrum and who I am as a person. Thrilled. You're going to love this interview. Jude, we're so excited to be with you finally. Can you hear me and, and can we hear you? I can, loud and clear. Can you hear me? Yes, I, told, I promised them there was going to be a good Irish accent here and you, you're delivering. It's great. <laughs> And you weren't wrong and it was my screen jumpy or twitchy or no, anything? No, no, it's a little bit fuzzy around the outside, but we're good. So Jude, I'm so excited. I, I got to start by saying thank you because you were so patient. You were scheduled to be on right as this whole COVID thing happened and everything went cattywampus and we didn't get you on and you were very good natured about it. So thrilled that you are here. Jude, I want to talk with you about you and most especially about this book that you have out that's just been out since the beginning of April. Is that correct? Yes. Tell our viewers what the name of this book is uh, and give us, the, give us the, the, the elevator pitch, the, the short paragraph about what it's about and tell us where we can get it. And then I want to ask a bunch of questions. Well, I happen to have it here. The title of my book is Why Does Daddy Always Look So Sad? And my elevator pitch is I am autistic myself and I went through uh, mainstream school as an autistic child. I grew up, became a social worker and then became a dad. And being autistic was something that I thought I'd left behind in my childhood. And it was whenever my son asked my mother, his grandmother, why does daddy always look so sad that I had to go on a self-acceptance and self-love journey? Um, my book's available on all major online retailers, uh, Amazon, Book Depository, Barnes & Noble, Simon & Schuster, on ebook, audio, and paperback format. So thank you. That was wonderful and very concise. And I got to say, Jude, you know, this book really fills a need. Um, there are only a couple of books out there that are, uh, that address in any way being on the autism spectrum and being a dad. And most of them are from people that are significantly older than you. And so I really see that this fills a need. And for any parent that's out there that I, I'm going to be honest, dude, I think that a lot of times as parents, um, and I almost want to talk to your mom, I gotta say, because we're constantly wanting, we wish that we could get inside the heads of our kids and know what they're thinking and why they're reacting the way that they are. And what you've done in your book is you really laid open your head for us and we get to be with you as you think through 
every step of everything down to the small, like I really was amazed, Jude, at the detail with which you gave us how you felt about everything. Have people been saying to you that this book is just like to the bone honest? Yeah, well, like whenever I've been reading back on the Amazon and Goodreads reviews, that a lot of people have said that they can identify uh, with their children, which is which is a which is a lovely thing to hear because I know as an autistic person, I've gone through the whole whole journey of not being understood and uh, people asking me questions and sort of almost being cast aside. I mean, I want to shed some light as in why is Jude Morrow the way he is? And I know I'm not like every single autistic person in the world, but I mean, there's a lot of kind of common ground that a lot of autistic people have. And I, I hope with my book, people can understand that. Yeah, it was so fascinating. It, I'll tell you what it reminded me of. It reminded me of when I was reading The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night that we got, but that was a character, a fictionalized character that an author who was not on the spectrum was writing um, and then to have it come from you um, at, and it was real and your own experience. I just, uh, it was very exciting to me to read and totally get inside your head. And you give us a little bit of a, a background in the beginning of the book about what your experience was like as a kid. Cause I think, I think people look at you, Jude, and they go, I don't see any challenges here. You, you're, you're, uh, very expressive. Um, you're a, a very intelligent, uh, erudite young man, and you're a social worker. You have a job. You have a life. Um, you know, so I think people would go, "Well, where are the challenges?" And from reading the book, it seems like there was a period of time where you also were saying that you were like, "I've got this all figured out." Is that correct? Yeah, um, I thought by, by the time I had finished university that being autistic was something that I had left behind in childhood. I had nothing more to do with it. And I'd done really well up to, I was uh, 20, 21, 22 years of age. And whenever I found out that Ethan was coming along, you know, the sort of planning, preparing, I need to know everything that's going to happen in the future. And this uh, almost obsessive nature for planning, I just I needed to know everything and anything as soon as I could. The unknown was something I just I just couldn't deal with. And I, it caused me over time to alienate absolutely everybody. But even then, I never wanted to consider that uh, there was still unfinished business and accepting the fact that I was autistic and would be for the rest of my life. And I'm curious because uh, you detail in the book about this obsession that once you knew that the baby was coming, that you like all of these things uh, were going on in your head and you detail them so that we're right there with you seeing. Um, and, I, and I just so appreciated that your mom was trying to, to help you to deal with all of it, but you know, you could, it wasn't something you could stop. But what no, was, uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, I mean, well, my, my mother, my mother would probably love to be inside my head uh, as, as much as, as anybody. And I suppose a lot of people would ask me the same as you, but my, my mommy gets a lot of interview requests as well. I mean, she doesn't, she's just, she stays out of the, the public eye because she would only really have one answer um, for advice or guidance. And it is, 
you know, prepare your autistic child to be an autistic adult because there was no way she wanted me living under her roof forever. So right. she, taught, she taught me to be independent, to do my own thing, to drive a car, to uh, look for jobs, study uh, and everything. Just nothing too outside of, of any parent with any child, really. And you give a lot of praise to your parents for how you, you know, you say that you could not have gotten through a lot of what you went through if it hadn't been for them, which I so appreciate it. But you also were unrelenting, man. You, you know, you, you weren't going to let anything go. I think that you're somebody who is really driven, Jude. Like when you decide you're going to do something, you, you, you do it. (laughs) The whole thing with you running the race, I, I was like, pulling my hair out and going, oh my gosh, um, I don't want to give it away, but people, people need to read your story. So, um, but what, what was particularly interesting to me, Jude, was the journey that you had to go on to get to the self-acceptance. If, can you talk a little bit about that with our viewers about this, the, the shift from being somebody who was in denial about who you were to getting to the point where you not only were not in denial, but that you accept and love yourself the way you are. What is, what, how did that happen? And, and what is that like now? Well, whenever, uh, around, around that, that, that time, around the time when I took taken up marathon running in the book, uh, there, there did come a stage where I did have a cheesy cliched fork in the road and that I, had a choice and it was to continue the destructive denial because whenever I had done marathon running I hadn't seen my son Ethan pretty much in a whole year or not an awful lot and I needed to build my relationship with him and it was so clear that I had so many scars from my childhood that deeply affected me in the adulthood the being different the having a classroom assistant with me all the time the not being invited to birthday parties, the being the child that no teacher wanted to teach, like all these things over time deeply impacted my self-esteem, my self-worth. And I mean, that's the way I looked at my life then. But whenever I look back over it as like through this book, like everything that I've written down in it, it's just really been one victory after another. And it was just changing that lens and my perspective and you know, coming out the other side as a happy, proud, autistic man. And for a long time, um, you participated in something um, called uh, masking. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what that is? Well, what I used to do, I remember it so, so vividly, and sometimes I still have to fight the urge almost to do it, is whenever I was at school, this was primary school and secondary school, I would have sat back and looked at people's mannerisms, whether it's their own, uh, like their touch, the way they greet people, the way they wave, the way they use their hands when they speak. And I used to mimic that to try and pass myself off as one of them, uh, whether that be in interests or discussion or being in a group uh, setting. I, I was just so kind of awkward internally and I just so desperately wanted to join in and I just covered up that true self that I had. I, it was like I developed a character that I brought around with me everywhere. And over time, the character that I had developed became more and more destructive and, and worked against me less. I mean, then I was, I suppose, a, 
somewhat of the class clown. And I, I mean, now, even as a grown man, I, I still am. I just don't get in trouble for it anymore. Uh, whether, whenever I uh, speak to groups or do any kind of speaking tour stuff, I'm full of jokes and laughs about times gone by. And I look back at my childhood a lot more fondly now than what I did in my early 20s. And it's really helped me have a great relationship with Ethan now, who sadly I haven't seen as much of since the whole uh, COVID lockdown. He's yeah. up, with the, up with his mother. So we keep in contact. And really the book came about because Ethan knows that I'm not like him. Ethan's not autistic. He's, we're not like each other. We, we both live in different universes, him and I. I'm in my autistic universe. He's in what people would call the neurotypical universe. And it's nice getting kind of glimpses into his universe. And I like letting them into mine now, whereas in the past I didn't because I was so ashamed of it. So we really get on. We're, we're, we're quite the odd couple, him and I, but it works. I love it. And you credit a lot of the things, the change that happened to you in the book to cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, yes. and, and, you know, that's something that we talk a little bit on the show. I've gone through cognitive behavioral therapy for anxiety. And I'm a big fan of it too, but it really helped you. Is that right? Oh, yes, it did. And really what it didn't do, and I remember this is a, a bit, it's a, it's a bit of a, a bit of a nugget of gold that I did, that's not in the book. I, I, did, I did take it out. But when I'd gone through a couple of therapists before that, and I didn't, it wasn't really a good fit. But whenever I had met the one that I had, got into the book and there was a line and I only remember her saying it after the book was printed which was I mean I'm I'm not here cognitive behavioral therapy is not to change your life it's to change the way you look at it and the way it was compared to me was there's like a, a road less traveled which is a bit more overgrown and there's a familiar well-trodden path and we automatically in our brains go down the well-trodden path no matter how negative that may be so it was kind of working together to get that positive frame of mind, that mindset to, um, to look at my past more fondly so that I could move forward. Well, I, the big question that I have for you is that for so much of, of your adult life, you were, as you said, masking, trying to not have people see who you really were. And then you came to this realization and now you've written this book where all these things that you were hiding are out there for everyone, for your coworkers, for Ethan's mom to read, for your mom to read, for all, for all these friends that you have now to read. Has it changed your life having people read the book and understand all the thoughts that you're having? Absolutely, it has. Even my closest friends and family have said, we didn't think that you had that perspective. And I didn't tell a lot of people anyway. I, I, I wasn't, I didn't habitually, like now at the minute I wave the I'm autistic flag. I'm so proud of it. I'd nearly tell strangers on the street. I sell tickets to my own live shows and sell my books. And I'm so proud of it. But people, whenever they read the book for the first time, they were just blown away at this perspective that I had, that I'd had my whole life. I mean, my parents knew to a certain degree the way I worked and the people very, very close to me knew what way I worked, but not on the in-depth level that is in the book. So they learned so much about me too. Yeah, I can only imagine. My goodness, I, you know, did it, has it helped 
uh, it seems like you have a really good relationship with your son's mom, um, with Ethan's mom, but did it help her? Has she, have you guys had a conversation since she read the book where she was like, oh, okay, now I understand what you were going through? Uh, to a certain extent, uh, yes. Um, I, mean, I mean, like, uh, we, she, has, she has read it, of course, and we, we talked around the time of, uh, of the writing of the book. And I mean, it's more impacting her in the way when people talk to her about it whenever Ethan is there, because Ethan's almost like a, a minor celebrity. Like, people want to photograph and talk to Ethan more than, than me, even. <laughs> so he's like Ethan's a real character like Ethan's a real media sweetheart he has a Hollywood smile I'm so jealous of him he's just a, a natural when it, when it comes to these things uh, I'll tell you actually a, a funny story um, Ethan and I were in a fast food restaurant that has famous golden arches one day so we're sitting there and Ethan goes oh and I said Ethan what is it and he pointed over, and there was someone, the most surreal thing, whenever you see someone in public sitting reading your book, <laughs> right? And he, po he pointed over, and he was like, and I said, Ethan, don't. And then I, I looked away, and I looked away for one second, and looked back over, and there was Ethan beside the lady, pointing over at me, that's my daddy's <laughs> book! That's my daddy's <laughs> book! And I was like, and I'm so glad he did that, though. Did the person completely freak out and go, oh, my goodness, I'm reading your life? Uh, did they? I, I, I'm so glad that he pointed it out, because for that person, it had to have been the thrill of a lifetime. Uh, yeah, he, whenever he saw it, I, I had seen it a couple of times already, but I wouldn't approach anybody. I wouldn't be like, hello. You know, I, I wouldn't do that. It's not in my, my makeup, but it's certainly in his. And he that. knew that it's not in mine. So he went over and uh, uh, yeah, the lady was quite flabbergasted. She was like, ah, that's you too. And I was like, oh, no, that's all. <laughs> I'm sure she was like, I am touring the inside of your head right now. Uh, Cause that is what the book is you guys. And I, unfortunately we're out of time but show the book again so that they can see and recognize it. If you'd hold it up, Jude. Um, and so it's available on Amazon right now. You guys, you can get it uh, as uh, on Kindle. But why does daddy always look so sad? If you have uh, a kiddo who's on the autism spectrum, you're going to want to read it to see what it's like to be inside somebody's head. If you have a teenager or an adult who's on the autism spectrum, who's thinking about becoming a parent, you're going to want to give it to them because I think it's going to be a real eye opener for them. They're not going to feel so alone. This is a really important book, Jude. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today and for writing the book. And thank you so much for having me. And for anybody that has any questions while they read the book, uh, reach out to me through judemorrow.com or judemorrowbooks at gmail.com or my Facebook page. So I answer them all. And Wonderful. Thank you for me on as well. Jude, thank you so much for this great book. And, and I hope you. you get to see Ethan soon. I hope this all settles down and you get to be with him. Yes. You're a great Fingers dad. Crossed. Yes. Thank all right. You. Thank you so much, Jude, for being with us. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, and we we've gone a little bit over, but we're our uh, our next guest on the show is Ryan Turtle from Endless Games, and he's got some fun games for us to be playing. So Traven, if you can, let's get Brian's feed up and running. The Endless Games, and and you can go to endlessgames.com. There he is. Hey. There's the man of the hour, Brian oh. Turtle. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you, Shannon? 
we're doing great in this isolation. You know why? Because we're playing games. Uh, well, better can you do? There you go. So, uh, Brian, I'm so excited that you're here because people people need games to play with kiddos of all ages, and you have got the market cornered on this at Endless Games, and people can go to endlessgames.com to find your games, although they're available. Uh, a lot of your games are available on Amazon, right? They are. Um, uh, obviously, that's that's an easy, you know, click right there, but as I tell you every year when we do our annual Christmas get-together, um, I... I'm always out to support the independent local retailers, the mom and pops, the boutique shops, uh, most of which are operating on somewhat of, uh, uh, you know, a compromised business practice right now, but at least and most of these places are able to stay open. They're able to do curbside pickup or they're doing deliveries. So by all means, go out and support your local independent toy retailers because they really help new products come to life in this industry. Thank you for mentioning that because I got to be honest, that isn't something that I necessarily thought about is that those, there's very few um, mom and pop toy stores anymore uh, because it's very hard business to stay in, right? Mm -hmm. And especially during COVID. So thank you for reminding us to support them. So Brian, you've got some games behind you. What are we going to play first? Well, uh, I wanted to show you an old favorite. And when when you said Endless Games has the market cornered, um, very good choice of words because this Thank is you. now the corner challenge, and and, and and I've heard this is this is the newer the newer version the of corners, sleeker, better, faster, stronger model. Yes, I can't wait to see because this was a fan favorite among uh, kiddos on the spectrum. They are somehow miraculously like really good at this game. That's right, um, and it's quite the esteem builder because it, this is a tough little game. And uh, you can sit down, some of our kids, uh, you know, I, when my son was like six was I think the first time we played it and he trounced his grandmother at this. That's right. In like six seconds. So show us the game. So just to, to kind of refresh your memory, in the original game, you got a game board like this and 36 tiles that had different uh, color um, quadrants on them, okay? And the idea was, you deal out all the tiles, so every player, you can start off by dealing out three per player, or you can deal out all 36. And the idea of the game is everybody's playing at the same time, and you're trying to place your tiles on the board where at the intersection where the colors match up. And it's deceivingly difficult because like a jigsaw puzzle, there's only going to be one spot on this board where this particular piece, oh, where this particular piece goes. And uh, it, it's it's deceivingly, it's deceptively difficult, I would say. Yeah. Because you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, that goes right there. I see uh, orange, green. Um, and all of a sudden you start to realize that, wait a minute, there could be any number of spots where this looks like it goes, but there's only one place where it actually does go. And I see it. I see where it goes. <laughs> where it goes? I can't tell from, <laughs> from my reflection. Um, <laughs> let's see. Well, it's right there where your hand is, right but you there. just got to turn oh, it right there. There it is. There so, it is. And, and you know what's neat is, is like I just had to do there by turning the piece. And when you're looking at the board and it's flat on the table, it's obviously much easier than when you're holding it up right like this. But it really is a challenging game or a perplexing game of perception, which is what we put on the box. Because mm-hmm. you can perceive this this way or this way or this way or this way. And it's all about 
realizing that you can turn this around and see this board in a number of different ways. Now, going back, what, six, seven years ago, when you and I kind of first got to know one another, yeah. Endless Games put out this game cornered. And in that time, I was testing it out with my niece, Caitlin, who was on the spectrum. She's now a senior in high school. So I think she was, you know, nine or 10. So maybe it was 10 years ago. So Caitlin blew away her sisters. She beat me in the game. And I started to realize among, from playing the game with other children on the spectrum that they really excelled at identifying that pattern and seeing it before their you know, neurotypical uh, playmates. And so we did do a lot to uh, emphasize the, the autism connection there with our game corner. It's and how we got connected in the beginning because you, exactly right. you guys reached out to us and said, hey, we've got a game that we think is particularly great. And then we started looking at your catalog and we just fell in love with Endless Games. Well, we're we still in love with that it. for sure. <laughs> now, what we've done now to, to enhance the game now that it's, uh, and I don't know if it's nine years, eight years, whatever it was that we had originally done the game, we brought it back because um, we wanted to kind of market it a little differently. When we first brought it to market, by really we may have overemphasized the, the autism angle on it. We, mm -hmm. we didn't want to take away any of that, but it, it kind of was all over the package and it may have kind of scared people a little bit. It was people almost, thought it was only for kids on, on the exactly autism right. spectrum. So yeah. it's, it's fun for anyone. I liked it before Absolutely. I realized that connection. Yeah. But what's great about the newer sleeker model here, the corner challenge is that now the board has the color side, which it always had, but now it's also got this animal grid, uh, which nice. is even to me more disorienting. So now the tiles are double-sided and now you're trying to find where that piece goes. And it's even more jigsaw puzzle-like all about finding that intersection where that one particular wow. piece goes. And just like on the front side, there's only one unique location for each piece. And, uh, and it, it, it doubles the fun. We've made some modifications to the rules where you can play it the way, as I described, where everyone gets three tiles or you deal out all the tiles. And we also made up the corner challenge where each player individually takes all 36 tiles and you race against the clock. And there so, you go. You know, so there's, there's a number of different ways to play it, but it's, uh, it is available now and it is on uh, Amazon. But again, this was a game that was really given the opportunity to come to life at those specialty stores and those independent retailers. So I would ask those places for it uh, before you, uh, you know, kind of default to Amazon because we do want to keep our local toy stores uh, going. And, and those, like I said, are the places where new products get to sort of find life. So. And I got to say, you know, one of the many things that I love about this game is that it's, there's, there's not a verbal component to this. Um, so if you've got a kiddo who's not verbal, you might find that they're really, really good at this game. You can play it with any age range. Um, so uh, really great. I think it's a great self-esteem builder for our kids. And a lot of times, Brian, people are asking me, you know, what kinds of games can we get for our kids that are twice exceptional? That they've got autism and maybe they have another diagnosis, but they're quite brilliant. And, and they don't have enough opportunity to bring that out cornered. Mm -hmm. And now that I love this, this new version of it. So yeah, get that. Yeah. We but were you, really excited. To, to, we were really excited to bring back cornered because we, we always appreciated the, the cleverness and quite frankly, the brilliance in, in the, the design and the concept. 
but we think we may have done it a disservice in the initial run through by kind of overemphasizing that one angle of, of uh, being that it was great for kids on the autism spectrum and it sort of made those other parents shy away from it. But be that as it may, we love it. In great, the- great, great game. Okay, but you've got other stuff behind you and sure. we're working on the clock here. So show okay. us a bunch of games. So I just want to show you another one here. This is a, uh, an old classic game here and this is a, a great vocabulary builder. It's, it's the game of password. And this game has been around for over 50 years. And it's a deck of cards that look like this. And you cannot read the word until you slide it into the magic reveal. You remember this? I love passwords. Yeah, it's a classic. It's one of my favorites. It's the best. It's Betty White's favorite game. So um, it's all about I get the secret password by way of the magic window revealer. And then you as my partner, I give you one word clues for you to guess the secret password. And the fewer the clues, the more points we score. And it's a two-player versus two-player game. So it works in two teams of two so that if you and I were a team and we were going against two other players, they would hear my clue. And so they would be at an advantage. So it's just unlike cornered, which requires no verbal dialogue whatsoever. This is a good vocabulary builder. It's a great way to explore language and learn. Can I? Can I jump in here too and say that for those of you who have teens that are on the autism spectrum or even a little bit younger, if they have strong verbal skills, if you're trying to teach inhibition, because uh, a lot of times our kids are impulsive and they say whatever it is that they're thinking, this is a great game because the one thing you can't do is say the word that's on the card. Yeah. So they have to inhibit themselves from saying that. So it's a great thing to work on, but it also is great at perspective taking because if I say the word, um, you know, to you, I have to think about what will what will get you to say the word back, not what will I say it to, but what will you? Do. So it's a great perspective taking game for yeah. teens. And just really different great layers, different layers of thinking, because I can say a clue that plays off of a clue that our opponents had said previously. Yes. So it's, yes. it's really good strategy that way. And then- Really fun. Yeah, this is one that's actually sold out right now on Amazon, but we're in the process of building more. But obviously jigsaw puzzles are always fun for everybody. And yet for some, I don't know, bizarre, I guess on temporary lockdown, jigsaw puzzles just became that perfect sort of uh, you know, break from the chaos of watching the news and seeing what the world was like outside. So jigsaw puzzles have just exploded. And, uh, and this is one that we do at Endless Games, which is the best of Broadway, all of the Playbill uh, covers of all of Broadway's top hits right now. And being uh, close to New York City as we are, I'm in New Jersey, um, you know, Broadway's been dark now since St. Patty's Day, and they're not talking about opening back up until September or even uh, October, November timeframe. So this is a nice way to, you know, celebrate that, that, that great, um, you know, piece of art that is Broadway and the theater and everything therein. So just a cool jigsaw puzzle here that we do here. Great gift for those friends who have theater friends uh, or teens that are really into things like Hamilton and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Great, great gift for that. What else have you got back there? Okay, I've, so. Keep going. This is one of my personal favorites here. Everybody knows it's, it's, it's trivia, but it's very simple. And it's about 10 questions on the card. 
you know all 10 answers because the stuff everybody knows, but you have to get them all in 60 seconds. So I like to, to liken this game to your, your brain is a filing cabinet and you have every answer in this box in those files in your head, but you have to race through cabinets and find the right folder to get all 10 questions. I mean, it's stuff like, um, uh, what is the third vowel in the alphabet? Uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, A, E, I. I, very good. Where is the aorta? In your heart. Okay, what is four times seven? Oh man, 27? <laughs> okay. Yes, I'm bad at math. Okay, what um, is the capital of California? Sacramento. Okay, what is the Roman numeral of 40? Oh, I don't know. I'm completely All bad right. at Roman numerals. When the going gets tough, what do the tough do? They get going. Very good. What is the yellow condiment often found on hot dogs? Mustard. How many colors are there in the game Twister? Four. Yes. Uh, what soft drink is also called the real thing? Is that Coca-Cola? Yes, it is. And what animal is man's best friend? Dog. Okay, you got uh, nine out of 10. Okay, but here's what's great about this game when we're talking to folks who have kids on the spectrum is that that most people are walking around with that file cabinet of the general knowledge, but some of our kids aren't because they were learning language when we were learning all those other things, or they just missed the cue, or they don't understand the euphemistic language. Now, there's no way you can teach all of it to them, but if you're playing this game, they're going to soak up a lot of it. So I love this game for that reason. And, and another thing that's great about this one is that Maybe a nine, 10, 11 year old won't know all the answers, but they will know some of them. And yep. so unlike some of those more difficult trivia games or some of the games that are very fine pointed in their trivia nature, this is very broad, mostly basic stuff that they're gonna feel a sense of accomplishment when they get one right or two right or five, six, seven, eight right answers. So it really is a, a cool one. You can put the sand timer away even if you want to yep. and take that pressure element out of the game to kind of modify it to your audience. And I got to tell you, we, there's a lot of your games that we sort of change up a little bit um, mm -hmm. that for this one, what we do, cause we let the little kids play too. And we play in teams. So an adult is with a kiddo and they get to discuss uh, and come up with it. So it really becomes a learning opportunity to learn those things. Yeah. So we're always, we're always changing it up on you. We've got two minutes, Brian. How many games can you show I'm me? I'm going to tell minutes? you one more, and it's a real quick card game. It's very simple, and card games are always fun and basic. And if we do get a chance to travel this summer, these are always easy to take along with you. This one's called Red Light, Green Light, One, Two, Three. We gave an award to this one a couple of years ago because we loved it so much. Yeah. Talk about it, though. Okay, so I'm going to go off the back of the box here, if you can see that. So yeah. this is the cards here. So you've got red lights, green lights, ones, twos, and threes in the deck. Over and over again, red light, green light, one, two, three, throughout the deck. You deal out seven cards to each player. Each player then, on his or her turn, can play as many cards in their hand as they can, which is a very unique element to a card game. Normally, you're drawing one or discarding one or what have you. In red light, green light, one, two, three, I'm playing as many cards as I can, as long as I stay in sequence. So I play red light, green light, one. Maybe I don't have a two, so my turn ends there. You go up next, you go two, three, red light, because it rolls back over again. It's back to me. Now, I'm at green light. Maybe I don't have a green light card in my hand. That's when I have to draw from the deck 
and continue drawing to until uh, I get a green light and then continue the sequence. So you're trying to run out of cards first. It's a game that you can actually win in the very first time around, or you can spend an hour trying to get uh, all, rid of all of your cards. But it's very simple, very basic. It's all about staying in the sequence of five different cards, red light, green light, one, two, three. And it can't get much simpler. Great game for teaching sequencing with our kids. Cause I'm always trying to maximize what are we learning mm -hmm. while we're doing mm -hmm. that? And your games are great for that. What mm -hmm. I also love is if they go to endlessgames.com, you have games for everyone. You've got games for very little kids, mm -hmm. uh, all the way up through things that everybody's great grandmother would love to play and things that you can sit down and play together. I love that a lot of your games with younger kids have a movement component to yes, it. Like Traffic Cop and The Floor is Lava that you guys have awarded. We This last year, they're in our toy guide because there, there are movement elements to them. They're great games. I didn't to have those kiddos. at home with me, but I'd be remiss if I didn't have a chance to at least show you what those ones look like there. Floors, lava, awesome. and traffic cops. So, we yeah, those loved those. And we tested them out with kids last fall, and they went gazanga over them. They're super yeah, duper lots fun. Lots of movement. A lot of energy, yes. in so it's a great way. To yeah, your games are your games are about being interactive and having good quality time. But it's there's also always an educational component that's available if you want it that's in right. the games, which I absolutely love. It's fun on steroids. Brian, we love you. We love endless games. We're like your biggest fans ever. And well, I just want to see you too and, and your group. There. I just want to say, I mean, like so many of your games are so great for people in our community. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that they're great for everyone. So we hope that everybody and several people wrote in and said they, they different games that they were loving and that they're going to get them. So please, um, you can go to endlessgames.com to shop around. But as Brian said, you know, find your local Astra toy dealer um, their mom and pop stores, uh, call them up and say, I'm, I'm looking, I just saw Brian Turtle from Endless Games. What have you got? Can I pick up uh, curbside delivery, no contact delivery? Um, see if you can do that. But they are available on Amazon as well if you cannot find them close to you. And just uh, one final yeah. note, Janet. Yeah. I, I wanted to say though that it's great that, that families and friends are kind of reconnecting over games and puzzles while we're here. Mm -hmm stuck inside during this whole quarantine and everything else. When the quarantine lifts, I really do hope that people remember that feeling and they continue to carry that fun memory that they had playing that game forward. And, um, you know, and, and that it really uh, brings back a nice resurgence into playing games with your friends and family. Cause there's, there's no, nothing quite like the human interaction you get when you play games together and it's unplugged yeah. and you're away from the TV and the computers and everything else. I just can't get enough of it. And I want to remind people that, you know, if you've got a loved one that is far from you that you can't get to, particularly folks that are a little bit older, play online, That's get right. get yourself a Zoom thing. Yeah. Um, and you there's so many password ways. virtually. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You could play uh, Everybody Knows absolutely. virtually. They're all yep. most of these games, you could play them virtually. So I hope that you guys play some games, have some fun, lower your blood pressure uh, and, and your kids will still be learning. So, uh, Brian, thanks so much for being here. Uh, we, we, we can't wait for it to be holiday season to have you back That's again. That's right. I didn't get to wear a fancy Christmas outfit. I wore my Freehold Strong shirt. It's Freehold, New Jersey. And 
a lot of communities do these t-shirt sales and all the proceeds go back to helping uh, essential workers and stuff. So hopefully other Wonderful. folks out there see those type of fundraisers and support those as well. Wonderful. Brian, please stay safe and thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, and we're, we're past, we're over a couple of minutes, but that's okay because we needed to talk to Brian. But I just wanted to take a second to remind you guys that tomorrow we have Dr. Doreen Grampichet. She's going to be answering your questions live on location. Uh, she's on at a different place in the world tomorrow, uh, but she will be with us answering your questions. I do want to point out that we're not doing a live show on Friday. Starting on Friday, and this is the first time I, I'm announcing it, we're for the holiday weekend. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and Monday, we're going to do a marathon of all of our Temple Grandin videos. So that's gonna be playing for eight hours a day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, so we won't be here on Friday, we won't be here on Monday, but, we, but we'll be here. You'll, you'll be able to see the marathon will be playing. Uh, but Trayvon and I are gonna take a couple of days off, not together, separately, I didn't mean to make it sound like that, uh, and, uh, and enjoy our families. And then we will be back here on Tuesday. But tomorrow uh, and Thursday, we're still here live. So tune in tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.